Welcome, you are listening to a diverse group of students from the Willem de Koning Academy in Rotterdam, who are taking part in the elective course Culture Can't Live Without My Internet Radio. Enjoy listening to the segments curated and created by the students. All right, good morning everyone. I am Lucas. And I am Luke. And you're listening to Ahead of the Wave. I hope you woke up fresh today. We are happy that it's almost weekend. Uh, it's a beautiful Friday and hopefully, hopefully everybody takes it easy these days. But first, Ahead of the Wave. So in Ahead of the Wave, we discuss music. We're going to talk about the bird of a genre, what it sounded like before it was on the radio, and who influenced the biggest stars of the genre. That's right, that's right. Um, I'm going to talk about the genre of punk rock. And I'm going to talk about the electronical West Coast sound of Holland. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited for that. But first, Yeah, me too, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But first, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about punk rock. Um, yeah, where do I start? Uh, I think most of us know punk rock as the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, who are basically considered the first official punk bands. Even uh, Blink-182 and Green Day making a comeback in the 90s and early 2000s may have caught your attention. But what makes punks so different from other genres? Well, to understand that question, we first have to understand what punk rock is. You know, true punk sounds totally out of place with out-of-bound vocals and fast-paced tempos that are hard to keep up with. Uh, distorted recordings and tons and tons of live shows. It's For me, it's basically rock and roll stripped down to its core. Uh, a perfect example of this, in my opinion, is No Class by Reagan Youth. And I'll let you hear it right now. Here it is. So that was No Class by Reagan Youth. Um, but what sets punk in a different league is the attitude. You know, punk rock became punk rock when they consciously started making music out of rebellion. Uh, punk was an art movement as much as a political one. You know, if you were young and pissed off in the 1970s, you were probably going to be a punk. Uh, adding, up to adding up to it, it was a different reaction to political issues than the soft hippie movement of the 60s. Instead of love and flower power, they used rebellion to expose the system. On the surface, uh, punk was rejecting establishment that the previous generation set up for them, expressed by rage. However, as with most movements, its, root, its roots had been planted far before what we know as punk music. Uh, one would argue that Elvis Presley was, without knowing it, the first punk rock artist because he was one of the first to display sexual moves on live television, which to me is a classic case of rebellion. But I don't think that's enough to consider it as punk music, as his music sounds kind of cute, you know. He, also, he did mention the devil in some of his songs, but blues singers like uh, Robert Johnson did that long before him, so that wasn't anything new. Uh, there were a few artists that came after Elvis, though, that wanted to outrock the king uh, with heavier sounds and vocals. A perfect example of this is Rumble by Link Ray, and that sounded something like this. 
and uh, he later made a song with Bunker Hill, who had, who had incredibly raw vocals for the time being. Uh, here is The Girl Can't Dance by Bunker Hill. Uh, I warn you for some wild vocals. Yeah, that was The Girl Can Dance. Told you there were some wild vocals in there. Uh, so the 50s came to a close and the 1960s is now ready to open up new doors to expand the genres of rock and roll. Louie Louie by The Kingsman is one of those songs that later was labeled as one of the most influential to punk rock as the FBI was looking for dirty lyrics for like two years but completely missed the word fuck being yelled after the drummer dropped his drumstick. The song was also banned in the state of Indiana because teenage youth were not sure if the lyrics were obscure. You know, they sang in such a vague way that you couldn't really hear what they were saying. So people were like sticking their ear to the radio to, to catch some dirty words, but you know, it didn't really work. So here is Louie Louie by The Kingsman. <laughs> So yeah, I still don't really know what they are saying, to be honest. But anyways, moving on. During the same time, it was in England and different sound that would influence the scene as well. The British invasion groups like the Kings made songs that were fast, uh, upbeat and easy to play. And it took influence from earlier blues and rock and roll that was often sexual and graphic. Most notably is their famous song, You Really Got Me. And that sounded like this. I'll play it right now. <laughs> Yeah, I love that song. It sounds nice. Yeah, me too. I really, really like the vibe. In yeah, it. it's it's nice. I, I just want to go surfing for some reason, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I also want to mention David Bowie as a pioneer for the scene in, uh, in London, not because of his music, but mainly for his image. You know, David expressed himself in such a unique way using fashion and makeup, which was also something new and daring at the time. Uh, the British punk scene quickly caught up with this and projected it into their own scene. And I think it was in Britain where the image of punk started. Uh, after this, it was in the late 60s in Detroit, Michigan, where punk really started to shape into its ultimate form. And in my opinion, the bands that are most important to mention. First, I would like to start with a band called Motor City 5, you know, renowned for their chaotic live performances. MC5 were against recording in the studio. Instead, their first album, Kick Out the Jams, was recorded live in 1969, which gives it an extra edge to me. Kick Out the Jams from the album of the same name opened up with a legendary intro screaming, you know, Kick Out the Jams, motherfucker. 
And uh, yeah, that sounded something like this. It's a live performance as well, so it sounds really good. Here it is. Sounds chaotic, right? Yeah, the sound in the screaming is really legendary. Yeah, for me it is, for me it is. Um, the band was most revolutionary in their uh, uh, political opinions, though, and the way they reflected this into their music. Uh, a giant leap for the punk scene, uh, since it was a movement that crea was created out of frustration and anger itself. Um, you know, many people don't know that true punk is incredibly left-wing, be but because they address these political issues in such an aggressive manner, the masses totally misunderstood the message behind the genre and they were often labeled falsely. So, like I said, it was in England where the image started, but the true sound of punk started in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, during the same era, it was another band from Detroit that took the scene by storm and especially... Their lead singer would take the spotlight and would later become the godfather of punk. Iggy Pop and his band The Stooges were pushing the boundaries if you're talking about like live performances. Uh, Iggy would perform naked and cut himself live on stage to bleed on the, on the audience. Uh, Iggy was the wildest performer possibly the world has ever seen on and off stage. From having a fight with a biker gang, you know, to snorting PCP on accident during a show telling the audiences to bring the place down and even bringing drugs to a psych ward. That's actually fucking wild. Uh, it was his way of letting the world know that uh, nobody could tell him what to do. But for me, one of the most punk things he ever did was a little bit less wild. And that was by saying that he hated punk rock. He hated the term punk rock. He explained that it was just another label for the media to use. He saw punk rock just as like true rock and roll. That's it. It's just a feeling that you have and you either have it or you don't. It's just as simple as that. I Want to Be Your Dog from their debut album is considered as one of those essential songs for the development of the genre. So here is I, The Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog. So yeah, I think that's I think what's most notably about the song is the distorted uh, the distorted guitars. Um, so Motor City Five and the Stooges emerged in the late '60s, but it wasn't until 1976 the Ramones dropped their debut album, which is considered the first official punk band. And for some reason, there was one band in the meantime that influenced the genre like no other, but never got the recognition for it like Motor City Five and the Stooges did. Uh, Death was another band from Detroit, Michigan, formed by three African-American brothers called David, Bobby, and Dennis, 
who grew up in a musical household. It was the Beatles who inspired them to make music, but it was the Who that inspired them to make like heavier rock and roll. Uh, they started off by playing day in day out in their in their own gr- in their own house, and that's where they recorded all of their first stuff. Uh, they tried to get their music out there, but were rejected time after time again um, because they were the only black band that played rock and roll at the time, you know, and therefore were rejected every time to, they tried to get a record deal. They played uh, too aggressive, they played too fast, their band name was considered evil, and they were labeled as white boy music. After one, after one of the band members died, they never got together as a band and went their own routes in the music industry. Uh, okay, so fast forwards to 30 years later, where people got a hold onto their very first tapes and it eventually took the internet by storm. Uh, people got so obsessed by it that it caught the attention of world-famous punk bands that blew up already. Uh, the world was now on a mission to give these guys some recognition, considering they never received it, you know. So, and even in 2008, uh, they managed to tour with this forgotten tape, and the album was finally released in 2009. Uh, here is my favorite song of the album, You're a Prisoner by Death. Yeah, so that was You're a Prisoner by Death. I just love the energy in the song. Sounds wild, you just want to move to it, you know? Uh, I think it's such an incredible story to begin with. You know, imagine having to wait 30 years to receive some recognition for for your music just because they told you at the time that you were not supposed to make that kind of music, you know? They recorded labels, the record labels told them to make uh, funk music or disco music because... That is what African-Americans were supposed to do at the time. But, you know, they stayed true to themselves and their sound. And that is a really, really punk thing to do. So hats off to these guys. Um, This was in 74. And it was two years later and where the Ramones would put out their debut album. And the genre was officially born. New York exploded into a new scene. And from there on, it spilled all over the world. Uh, This was the story of punk as we know it and how it shaped into the genre. However, before this story comes to a close, there is one band that I would like to uh, mention. And it might blow your mind if you're into punk rock and haven't heard uh, of these guys before. It's a band called Los Los Cycles. Uh, I excluded this band from the story because they didn't influence any other band and didn't play a significant role into the evolution of punk rock, considering they are from Peru. But it can't be denied that they truly did sound like punk before anybody else. Uh, They were active from, and this is the mind-blowing part to me, from 1964 until 1966, and where they recorded six singles. And after that, the band broke up. They sang about things nobody dared to say during the time, um, but saw it more as a joke than a real political statement. Another reason why I don't consider them as true punk is because one of the band members decided to work for the government after his musical career. And that is not something a punk from New York or Detroit or London would ever do, considering they are so against 
the system and against establishment, they would never get a job for the, at the government. But I still want to show you what they sounded like. So here is Te Amo by Los Saigos. So that was it. That was my story. Keep in mind that um, in Peru, this band from Peru, Los Psychos, is just a side note. It stands, in my opinion, outside of the scene that flourished in uh, in Detroit. Thank you for your story, uh, Lucas. That was uh, was a lovely story. You're welcome. You're welcome. Of course. That was a lovely uh, story, and uh, now that we have stayed at Detroit, I would like to introduce the second part of our story. Uh, I'm going to talk about the West Coast sound of Holland. It's the answer to Detroit's underground resistance and can be seen as a mix of 80s hip-hop-infused electro, synthy Italo music, and the rough-sounding DIY character of Detroit techno. It was created after the house was the shore in the Netherlands from the US in 86. This quickly became extremely popular and places like the Mazzo and the Roxy had their absolute heyday. The dance scene, as I will just call it, blew up like a bomb and the whole country was under the spell of the new music that set off just about every conceivable musical direction. To get a clear picture of the origins, we must f- first go first of all go back to the first story of our great The Hague electro legend IF. This was with its store Hot Mix. Uh, he had found a gold mine in the form of a distributor in 91 and decided to go uh, to Chicago to do business. He had previously traded in records and bought things from wholesalers that others left. This was mainly Chicago House and uh, Detroit Techno. When he arrived in Chicago, he suddenly had access to almost every imaginable type of music when it comes to electronic, including Italo Disco. Until then, Hotmix stood for American Underground, supplemented with Italo Disco. This was until Gita Varis, a founder of Bunker Records, discovered IF Store in 1993. At this time, in addition to the strongly positioned American Underground scene, there was also an ever-growing European Underground scene. But IF didn't know much about this at the time. Tavares himself was looking for a better distributor for the music he made and IF offered to take care of this. Tavares helped uh, to find some new uh, European distribution channels and uh, what at one point IF uh, shop had all kinds of freaky shit from every conceivable co- corner of the underground scene. In 1994-95, a whole new wave of electro came out of Detroit, including uh, Underground Resistance, I will now let you hear an example. This is uh, Afro-Germanic from Underground Resistance.
Yeah, that sounds like I'm in Space Invaders or something. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really does. Uh, IF and uh, Tavares also really like this, and they decided to play this at uh, parties where techno was mainly uh, played. Uh, in the sound of the underground resistance, you can also clearly hear a certain resemblance to the typical Hague sound. Uh, around 1997, there was a sort of uh, dichotomy uh, within the scene, uh, where previously everyone came to the Acid Planet parties in the Blaue Anslag as one scene, where it was all about blasting your music as loud as possible, going hard and mud to your ankles. Now there was, on one hand, a group that kept sticking to the drugs and wanted the music to be harder and harder. Uh, this became techno with a K, and it was very industrial, and you could almost call it gabber. Hmm. This movement originated in England, but had meanwhile also found its strength in the Netherlands. Uh, on the other hand, there was a group of people who were actually there from the beginning, uh, supplemented with some new faces, who started to make more electro. Uh, this was the mo moment when uh, Electro uh, really took off as a wave in the Netherlands and blew up. A perfect example of uh, the sound uh, they were making at that time is IF with PlayStation 1. Yeah, that definitely sounds like I'm in a PlayStation 1. That sounds so wild. Yeah, it really sounds to me like a sort of a space arcade game or, or yeah, something. Exactly. I can it's I can I can definitely feel that. Yeah, I really I really like uh, like that vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, now back to the story. Uh, the West Coast sound from The Hague is characterized by beaming synths, moldy acid lines and uh, knocked out drum sounds made from signals that make you feel like you're about to go to war in the last bunker of the Atlantic Wall. Mm. The raw and non-pretentious character of the music ensures that it naturally finds itself in a grey area where everything is possible. Uh, so that on one hand it could often be all just a little bit more extreme and more mysterious. A perfect example of this is Sparkwave with Unnatural. That already sounds so much different, like so much more experimental. I think it's more of a it's it's more music for for in a bunker. I think it's it's more mysterious, more dark. Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Uh, on the other hand, it could also sound very minimalistic and run down. A perfect example of this is uh, Sandex with D1.
Wow, that um, sounds a lot happier. Not like a bunker to me though, like more like Japanese uh, happy yeah, the, vibes. The know? funny thing is, it's it's actually the same label, and uh, yeah, it's it's like ninety de- degrees the other way around. So yeah, exactly. That it's so broad. I think that's the that's the thing that I like the most about this music. There's no. Uh, there are no rules for 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 making this sound yeah cool sounds nice uh back to the back to the story uh you've uh, got steven van lummel he's also a really good podcast legend uh and he describes the hake sound in his way uh you have a device and a receiver and in between there is a cable and the cable is just a little bit too short now that's the sound of the hake huh. IF completes this with, I quote, uh, it's non-pretentious techno noise. The Hague is real techno with trips to disco, experimental, space and almost everything we like. This has been incorporated in the music and a certain sound has come out which you definitely could call Hague. From here to America there are bins and record stores with a label The Hague on them and I thought that was a very special thing to see. Uh, IF further describes it as schmutzig or dirty, with a rough edge, unpolished, not intended from the, for the market and not too difficult to produce. There are generally tracks that, came t- that seem to come about instead of uh, a very specific body of thought in the process. The indifferent and fearless character is perfectly in line with the character of the Hagenese themselves. In my opinion, the fact that most music with this sound does not take temporary trends into account at all is precisely the reason why it does not lose its quality and distinct character. A perfect example of this and uh, f- my favorite one from all uh, the tracks today is Lego Welt with Sturm Vogel. That's energetic. I just I just want to go to a club or something and just like dance, you know? Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, I've been there for like a whole year, so <laughs> yeah, I bet I, I definitely feel you. I believe that. Um, next, I want to tell you something uh, about Bunker Records, a really important label for the sound of the Hague. Um, it was uh, initially founded to release Unit Mobius music, uh, IF and uh, Tavares are also uh, part of the Unit Mabius group. Uh, the most important source of inspiration and also the name of the relevant record label is a remnant of an old bunker, part of the Atlantic Wall near Scheveningen. It's a symbol of underground activities. The logo, or better said, the Panzerkreuz, is uh, graphically very much in line with what the label stands for. In addition, it has an historical aspect in which you can let your imagination run wild. Uh, Tavares does not, uh, does not distinguish between the graphic and the musical. And he also sees no difference uh, between his sister label uh, Bunker and Motorwolf. Uh, it has always been an overall picture and in what way you express it doesn't really matter. 
One of the most common principles shared by the label is to abhor anything made and commercial. This is seen as one big circus. The basic ideal was actually organizing small parties in basements and squads with all kinds of crazy people who shared the same love uh, and or interest uh, in the same kind of music. Just play, instead of standing in a so-called kettle hall with all kinds of fashionable figures who mainly come to be seen themselves. There is nothing to see in techno. It has all become plastic, and the only plastic we want to see is vinyl, according to the unit maybe as members. It's not pretended to be something new. It's more about the energy that is displayed at a particular moment. Music is an emotional illusion, and it's all about being efficient in reproducing these illusions, that you can convey them exactly as you envision them. For Tavares, passion is the absolute keyword for Bunker Records and Motorwolf, and he declares it's really my heart and soul. Uh, now I will let you hear a radio play by Unit Mabius. That sounds like a bunker to me. Yeah, this this always makes me want to uh, dance in a sweaty basement. Yeah, definitely. I can. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, back to uh, the founder of uh, Bunker Records, uh, Gita Varis. Um First, there are some uh, resemblances between punk and this sound. I think uh, I mentioned Tavares. Uh, uh, he uh, mainly listened to hardcore punk in his youth, and he had a great aversion to everything that was commercial. Uh, he also claims to experience a high degree of paranoia and shares a great disbelief of distrust of stories that claim the truth. All this in combination with a lot of irony. He has maintained this throughout his whole career. You could also make a connection between the large representation of the so-called middle class of society. You see in this class, more often than in others, uh, that opposition uh, to society occurs more than often, more often. Perhaps this can be uh, explained by a certain level of prosperity, which offers the space to think about such subjects. Supports with the feeling of being a product and at the same time a source of income for society, and that there is little to no satisfaction from it. Uh, there was also a dissatisfaction with development within the house and techno scene. You could actually describe the sound of The Hague as a kind of uh, reaction to the creation and commercialization of the scene, which was reinforced, but reinforced by places like Roxy and Matzo. Uh, 
as with basically all genres, there is a development that is at odds with the principles from which the genre is actually built. Uh, if you create your own movement to rebel against society and that the same society starts to embrace and adapt this, you will, of course, not be happy. Uh, in the end, it's all about money, and for me, that's exactly what shouldn't matter. Uh, the autonomy of the, the Hague sound can also be compared to the ideals of punk. Do everything yourself. Do what you want, and above all, take no one into account. A comparison is made with uh, Calimero, and it refers to the commercial part of the music scene. Uh, Calimero says, uh, they are big and I am small, and that's not fair. And uh, the reaction, uh, the typical The Hague reaction is, shut the fuck up, man. Go buy a few stilts. Mm. Here is uh, Los Hermanos Rodriguez with The Hague is the Plague. Nice. Um, yeah, that was uh, interesting. That was very Thanks interesting. You definitely put me on to something new here. Uh, it was fun to hear that you're, that uh, the genre that you talked about also started in Detroit. And that it's also a genre born uh, like from dissatisfaction and that they appreciate, I guess, like minimalism in the music. Yeah, we, so we did a little bit of research about why, um, why did this music start in Detroit? And to understand why a lot of music comes from there, we have to go back in time. Uh, a long time, actually. Uh, I think we have to go back to um, the great migration of the African-American uh, people. From 1915 until 1960, there were around 5 million African-Americans that headed to uh, northern cities to flee from the Jim Crow laws that ruled the South and escaped the racial segregation. And one thing you have to know about rock music is that it stems from the blues. And the blues originated from African-American people. Uh, Delta blues started in Mississippi and it was sung to overcome pain uh, and to overcome oppression. Um, a lot of blues singers, uh, just like any other African-American at the time, decided to uh, move north as well. And uh, Detroit was one of those cities that attracted African-Americans. But not only they moved to Detroit, the city became a hotspot for uh, European migrants as well. And when it comes to Detroit techno, uh, we look back to uh, the 80s. Detroit techno has its roots in electro, industrial and Chicago house. And the first uh, wave of Detroit techno differed from the Chicago house movement. Uh, this came from the black middle class in the suburbs of Detroit. Teenagers from families that had become wealthy as a result of the Detroit auto industry were removed from the poverty of the so-called black urban areas of Detroit, Chicago and New York. Techno was a way to distance yourself from the lower class of the inner city and there was a strong attraction to European culture. Uh, this required a bit of criticism for not being authentically uh, African-American 
the identity politics surrounding Detroit Techno is mainly based on race relations. Uh, during the creation of techno, there was a strong desire to go beyond just safeguarding African-American culture. Although techno basically avoided separating from the uh, urban poor, it did help to uh, make it the subject of their own vision of a different alternative uh, society in metropolitan places. Uh, these societies aimed to transcend the concepts of race and ethnicity and merge them all. Uh, the early producers of techno claimed that the goal was just making music and not uh, lie down on the, the focus on color. Uh, to quote Juan Atkins, uh, I hate that things have to be separated and dissected by race. To me, it shouldn't be white or black music. It should be just music. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with Juan uh, Atkins there. But um, that still leaves us with the question, why Detroit? Um, well, that is because Detroit's population began to grow rapidly based on resources that were found around the, the Great Lakes uh, region and also the developments in the auto, in auto industry and related heavy industry created for a lot of jobs for immigrants. So now you have a city with people from all kinds of regions and ethnicities and the blues was the genre that helped these people uh, get through difficult times. Uh, so you could also say that there's a very vague link between the blues, punk music, and electronical music, considering they are all genres that were created because of uh, dissatisfaction. And that's what uh, is what we think is exactly the same feeling uh, that creates all of this music. That's right. The fact that genres like blues, punk, and electronic, electronical music, and uh, techno and hip-hop all started because there is this collective feeling of dissatisfaction. Uh, music becomes a way of escaping hard times and uh, that creates a sense of unity. Something that many people lack throughout history. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this was uh, it for today. Um, we hope you enjoyed, enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new. And we hope to see you next time on uh, Ahead of the Wave. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. All right, cheers. Have a good one.